You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York blue. Brian. Scott, I'm back. Welcome back. (laughs) Welcome back. It's me. (laughs) Well, how was it? How was it being a listener only? Terrible. I mean, it was nice listening to you guys, but it was terrible being without internet for a week. Um, so that stunk. You just had no internet for the whole week? Yeah. So eventually I had to like up my phone plan to get like a hotspot so I could at least like do some stuff. But, you know, wasn't good. And you can only do like one device at a time. And ah. it sucked. Yeah. You know, it's been freezing cold. My kids inside constantly. Like it was just horrible. <laughs> Right. Nothing like no internet either. So no iPad, no TV, no just... Right. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. at least my phone worked, so whatever. That helped a little bit, but um, yeah, no good. Well, uh, Matthew filled in admirably last week. He did an excellent job. He provided us with his takes. He brought his personal brand of enthusiasm, which is a nice change of pace, I think. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, but we are happy to have you back, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your Super Bowl evening? Um, well, I don't have anything like anything specific to share about my, about how the game went or how my experience, um, I don't know, like you want to get into the game or like, you mean more generally like, uh, well, I think a little, what, I eat the meats and cheeses, a little bit of both. <laughs> Cause I saw on Instagram, you had quite the nachos spread. I did, you know, I've been doing, I feel like every event so far in pandemic, whether it was Thanksgiving or Christmas, Super Bowl, New Year's, like I've just made the same amount of food as though I was having the party that I've decided not to have. <laughs> so I wrong did with have it. a ridiculous amount of nachos and a giant cake um, for four people, two of which are really small children who don't eat that much <laughs> and certainly don't eat nachos. Um, so like, but it was good. I made some carne asada nachos and they were very tasty and uh you know it was good it's nice that is good what 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 kind of cake was it i saw the cake on it was it chocolate under there vanilla vanilla just a just a mix you know just a cake mix store-bought right. but my wife did do an excellent job made it like a little football field i saw that field goals it was, yeah yeah it was a it was excellent actually looked, looked lovely Kids got excited, got the kids into the Super Bowl. I think it helps. Like, they kind of watched a little bit of it. They were sort of excited, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, first time they've both been enthused about it, so that was nice. And then, you know, watched a whatever ho-hum. I feel, it felt like the really appropriate game to end the COVID season. Like, it just felt like, let's just get this over with, you know? <laughs> <laughs> let's crown Tom Brady. Let's get this game over with. All right. <laughs> We did it. We finished the season. <laughs> That's funny because I, I enjoyed the game quite a bit. And I'd, I don't want to be like one of those people or that guy. But, you know, as somebody who has coached on the defensive side of the ball for quite a few years now, I really was in awe of the Tampa Bay defense. Like I right. a few times I like actually cheered out loud just out of just purely being impressed by the defense. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it was all about the defensive coordinator. So I'm sure for a defensive coach, it's just like watching your dream come true of like <laughs> biggest game of your life. 
Yeah. A per- throwing a perfect game from a coaching perspective. I mean, look, too, I, and I think Todd Bowles rightly deserves plenty of credit, but uh, I I haven't watched a t- – I've watched a few Tampa Bay games this year, I guess. Not, not a ton, but I don't know that I, I – I guess I wasn't as dialed in as I was to the Super Bowl, but those linebackers, my goodness. Like, yeah. I, I mean, there was one play in particular – where uh, Devin White ran down Tyreek Hill. I think it, it was like, you know, it was in the first half. Kansas City was trying to attack the perimeter. They had Tyreek Hill in motion across the formation, and Patrick Mahomes just, like, quickly unloads it to him. And just the way Devin White ran down Tyreek Hill, like a, like a jungle cat, like, just grabbing its prey. The speed, yeah. <laughs> the speed of that. Yeah, so it's, there's also defensive speed is different than offensive speed, I think. Just because offensive speed, you know where you're going, and you're going there. On defense, you're reacting to somebody or you're chasing them, and they could change direction at any moment, and they're fast. And to hunt somebody down like that on defense, it's like you are. You're watching a human predator attack its prey in the wild. They essentially have a head start, and you're still just like – finding them <laughs> right and giving them nowhere to go and then wrestling yeah, yeah. them to the ground violently like it was right. just like it's awe-inspiring and it was actually after that play that i started to think about uh the nfl films about the the giants ravens super bowl in 2001 when uh before the game i guess brian billick was saying like they don't know how fast we are they're not prepared yeah, yeah. for how fast we are and i feel like you know, Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians must have been feeling the exact same way about their like they, they don't know how fast we are. My God! Right, right. Although I mean, you know, the, the Chiefs. I mean, have plenty of speed. Like, it, you I know, mean, I that, think right. if anything. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have enough. Uh, felt like physicality. You know, like the yeah. Bucks were just. I mean, both. They were. They are. They. I agree with you. Like Devin White was a revelation. You're just like wow. Um, but then, like, they had no answer for the two guys on the edges, Barrett no. and JPP. It was fun watching our old friend Jason Pierre-Paul dominate a Super Bowl. Right. And then, you know, they had, like, Sue in the middle. And you're like, oh, right, they have freaking Indomitian Sue Dominican in the middle of this Sue. defensive <laughs> line. Like, this is, yeah, it is, a, it is a hell of a defense. What they did the whole playoffs, you know, was just super impressive. Yeah, I mean, no doubt, no doubt about it. It's Sue. JPP, it was funny. I was previewing the Super Bowl for uh, – for my classes this week at school and uh i was talking a little bit about jpp and i was you know i was they, i i don't have a ton of football fans in my in my pe classes so i was giving like a lot of background on the game and i was what i was saying about jpp is i told i told them about how he blew a few fingers off in a firecracker <laughs> incident but i said as it turns out you don't need all 10 fingers to be really awesome at football because jpp right. is awesome at football right you just need a quorum of fingers. You need a, a <laughs> sufficient fingers, but you don't need all of them. No, just enough to balance yourself, really. Right. That's all. That's all you need. Yeah. I don't know. You know, the thing that's been frustrating in the aftermath is just this, like, tension of this battle over what was, like, to take away from the game. You know, is it, like, Brady and his seventh Super Bowl and what it means for him and then like or the Tampa defense and you know it's all about them and they shut down and you're just like it's both like why it's can't all it just of it. be both you right. like Brady was awesome and his impact on the team is obvious and like he was great in the game and if you know I think if they needed to stay the Chiefs couldn't stop them on, on their defense didn't play very well I, I thought either 
And yeah, and then the defense, you know, it was just if that's how you end up with getting your butt totally kicked is when you're beat on both sides. And it's like, yeah, it was really impressive, both of those things. And we can celebrate all of it. And by the way, I found Patrick Mahomes also to be really impressive. Sure, like damn near heroic. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> like, why, is it, why is it about him? Why is it like, oh, Mahomes, this is tarnishes him? Like, how so? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> he made a couple of throws where, like, if a guy had caught a couple of those, we'd be talking about what an effort he gave. You know, a few of those throws, he's falling down, like, just ridiculous. He made a throw in the fourth quarter. His body was parallel to the <laughs> ground, and he <laughs> threw it forty yards in the air. Right, and just like and hit the guy in the helmet, right? With it. In right, his face, in just face. like what? <laughs> like he ultimately the problem was he had too much on it. Like that was why the right. guy couldn't catch it. Right, right. I mean, he was amazing, and it's just like funny too because it is. He's probably not. Well, I don't know. I mean, he probably won't get a chance to face uh, the light, odds are against him facing Brady in a Super Bowl again. Not to say that it won't happen. In fact, it could. But, it could next year, yeah. Yeah, it, it very well could. But, like, I think it was, like, people kind of had this in their head that they had to – that, you know, this was this is the head-to-head matchup, and this is the he's the, either the pass the torch or the cement game. And it's kind of neither. Like, it's just so – just That's just not what it is. That's just not how football works. Right. It's not basketball. Like, it just isn't – you can try to make it that. It's just not that. Always with the drama. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like there's plenty here. Like, it just doesn't have to be that. There's plenty at stake. Plenty here. We saw an incredible defense go against the most talented young quarterback in football. We saw a modern-day Babe Ruth, like, cement his legacy. Right. We don't need all the extra nonsense. Just talk about what's there. It's plenty. We got right. fingerless JPP running wild. I guess if anything, it just like it burst maybe like the invincibility balloon of Patrick Mahomes a little bit. It's like there was a feeling that like you you couldn't he couldn't be stopped. You know that like right. nothing you would try would and and he and it wasn't his best game. I don't think you can say he played his best. Um, but he was also like you know he apparently has relatively serious injury. I think he's gonna have surgery now. Like. The offensive line was very banged up. Um, you know, it's funny. There's been some people trying to make the argument that, like, he, he, it wasn't the Lions' fault he was holding onto the ball. And you're like, what? He was getting early pressure every play and then extending the play. And that's why it was taking him a long time. Don't tell me that, like, he was, there was no, like, take four steps and fire. And, like, people were in his face immediately. Right. I mean, he was getting pressured when he wasn't throwing the ball past the line of scrimmage. He was still getting pressured. Right. So the only reason it was like taking him a long time to throw is because he was running for his life. And, you know, they could never get caught. He could never just get comfortable. So, like, he was the only thing that gave them any kind of chance. But um, I mean, it was also nice to see in a lot of ways, just because when you think about how bad Eli's lines were at the end of his career, and I even fell as, you know, big an Eli apologist as I can be. I even found myself thinking, like, man, you know, if we had a mobile quarterback, we probably would have a guy who could at least buy himself another second to do something yeah. like this. It is nice to see who, like, arguably the most athletic quarterback in the NFL, when he has nobody, when he is just, like, you know, guys off the street blocking for him. Even he is going to look 
fairly pedestrian. Right, true. Like, like there's just no, like, overcoming just getting whipped at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's sort of the other thing that I kind of liked about the game is just, like, you know, as football evolves and all these things change, like, you know, it's such a cliche, but just, like, if you're getting crushed on both lines, you can't win. Right. Like, you just can't win. It's all, like, it's just as old a cliche as there is. Like, it's in the trenches, whatever. But it was just a nice reminder that, like, if your big guys get their butts whipped, it's so hard to win. Right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have the best offensive play callers in the game, maybe in the history of the game, and, you know, one of the most athletic quarterbacks ever. Same. If you don't have the guys up front, you are in big trouble. Right. And maybe they don't, maybe you don't need like the best offensive line or they don't have to dominate the game, but they can't get crushed. (laughs) They can't just get overwhelmed because otherwise it's just too, it's too, it's too hard. Absolutely. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, anything else about the game? I mean, I don't know. That's what I mean. Like, you know, it's like, what is there to say? Like, you know, I, th- I, I think Brady like deserves all that he's getting. And like I, the, all the, like, def- you know, the defensiveness about like, you know, look, the starting, it's like this stuff about Brady and like, you know, is he the best athlete ever? And it's like, no, probably not. But like, he's in the conversation. It's not crazy. And I just feel like, there's such this weird, like, I get it. He's such, there's something very distasteful about the guy. And, um, you know, there's a MAGA hat in his locker a couple of years ago. I get where some people just, I get totally why that's, you're not going to over, like forgive that. Um, but he get, he deserves every stupid kudos he's getting. The guy's ridiculous. Won seven Super Bowls. He's won three MVPs, regular season MVPs. Like, you know, I mean, people forget that. Um, you know, it's just, it's incredible. Well, it's also, look, I can't stand Michael Jordan. I hate him. And I hate him because of what he did to those Knicks teams in the 90s. And I'll never love Michael Jordan. But do I have the perspective to look back and be like, he was the greatest? Sure. Of course I do. And it's the same thing with Brady. It's just like, you don't have to like Brady. You don't have to have rooted for him. You can have been a Jet fan. like, And maybe your name is Ed schmittington and and i get why you hate tom brady because of your lifelong fandom of a division rival and yet at the same time look how many times we have the opportunities to see guys like this you know like you can step back and be like well i understand that he he has a legendary career and like you know i even heard rasillo make a point today that I thought was really good. It's like if Brady at 43 years old came in and went eight and eight with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, would then would he just be like, oh, his career was obviously all garbage then? Like, of course right, not. Right, right, right. But that, I thought he might, and he didn't. He didn't do that. He right. didn't go eight and eight. He won the Super Bowl. Right. Um. So it's just you know, and th- I, I think it's just because like he's not athletically so dominant from a like physical perspective, but people underrate his physical gifts and like. He has him in space. He's just, he's not so fast, obviously, but like his arm is a cannon and his body is obviously fairly special because it's endured 20 years of physical punishment without any (laughs) drop off of any kind. It's like, so it's, he's a remarkable physical specimen as well as, you know, all the other stuff he brings. And it's just created this, yeah, this like legendary career. And, you know, like, yeah, screw him. I hope. He's, I wish him nothing but pain and anguish the rest of his days. <laughs> but, I mean, what a career. I mean, what a, what a career. What a career. 
Uh, Brian, you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. As it has been for so many, 2020 was a difficult year for us financially, and every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. Please help by pledging whatever you can. RFB is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax-deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. All right, Brian, I know you have a lot of Knicks takes to get off your chest, but before we jump off of football, let's just take a moment uh, to talk about Jordan Renan's report uh, on ESPN, basically confirming what you and I have been speculating about for months which is the Jason Garrett situation and how uh, ownership has foisted him upon this coaching staff and how he's not going anywhere because he disgraced himself as anyone with a brain could have expected and can't get himself another head coaching job or another coordinator job in the league most likely. And so we just have to keep him because – because we owe it to him (laughs) right we owe it to him for the time that he was our third string quarterback for a year (laughs) i mean yeah it was kind of like something nice to hear i mean it was exactly what we thought it was you know like he did have some reporting in there that basically that that it was like we'd like you to interview jason garrett for the offensive coordinator but it wasn't like you have to hire him it was like (laughs) passive aggressive we'd like you to interview him we think he'd be a good fit and then lo and behold Joe Judge agreed. Right. <laughs> right. Just um, interview him, have him over to your house for dinner, let him have sex with your wife, and then hide. That's all we ask. That's it. That's right. no more than right. that. Let him sleep in your bed. You'll love him. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, like, nice to confirm that. But, again, to me, I think we're past, like, blaming the ownership for it if he returns here. I, I, I think it's Joe – he's now Joe Judge's offensive coordinator. It's Joe Judge's – uh job to make him successful or not successful like if the giants offense is terrible next year i'm not blaming jason garrett i'm blaming i'm holding joe judge responsible i'm blaming jason garrett and the maras still why is i i I just here because joe judge wants him to be here because that's who he wants his offensive coordinator to be. No, that's what you want uh, to be true about Joe Judge. I don't think that's no. true. I think why? Because he only got one interview as a head coach, and he did not get the job. And and obviously, if you look around the league, nobody in their right mind would hire him as a head coach again. No one's even looking. No one else in the league is looking to make him their offensive coordinator because he couldn't move on to another spot. Again, I think that the Maras and the Giants organization feel like they owe it to Jason Garrett to set him up for his next big job. And because that failed this year, why? he has to stay. I, why do they feel why, why did they feel like they have a Jason Garrett? Why? That's a great question. I'm not claiming that that's a sensible feeling for them now. I'm saying it's clearly how they feel. Why else would he be our offensive coordinator? Because Joe Judge likes his offense and That's li- not- thought he did a good job calling the plays and was fine working. Has a good working relationship with him. No, why was he our offensive coordinator to begin with, even last year? I yes, I agree with you that because the Giants pressured him into it 
But then he, I think, was able, you know, he had some say there. If he had been totally against it, I think he had agency in that. He probably thought, okay, maybe I am a first-year head coach. This guy's experienced. He knows the division. Maybe this will be help. But, like, he can't just – he doesn't get to just throw up his hands and be like, they saddled me with this guy and he's calling all these terrible plays. He's the head coach. You don't like his plays? Tell him to call something else. I get get it. My point is is that when I say, like, why I think they're retaining him and you say, why would they do that, my response is, why would they have hired him in the first – like, why did – taking Judge out of it, why does the organization itself, at any point, did they feel like they owed anything to Jason Garrett? I don't know. I don't I don't get it. I don't know. I have any idea why they had any interest in him or desire to bring him to the Giants or what that is about. But I, I just like – to me, at this point, Joe Judge has plenty of stature that if he wanted him gone, he could get him out of there. And the fact that he's not gone is because Joe Judge does not want him to be. I think that John Mara likes to get in his underpants at night and think about <laughs> Jason Garrett as the head coach. And felt really <laughs> upset that he could not make him the head coach last year and he settled for Judge. But he still looks at Jason Garrett when he's watching the TV. Maybe he's in his box and maybe he has the TV itself on mute. And when they cut to Jason Garrett, in his mind, he's like, there's the head coach. That's I, a head coach. Yes. Yeah. Him clapping on the sidelines. That to him is a head coach. Yes. I don't know. I really don't. I don't know what the Giants see or what, what that's about. But I'm just telling you, I'm no longer absolving Joe Judge of responsibility for Jason Garrett. Okay. That's, I understand where you're coming from. I don't agree. I think it's fair. I am no longer absolving Jason Garrett for his hair, face, glasses, or clapping. <laughs> That's and continued presence right. in our lives. Yes. Yeah. He should like he he definitely should have fallen on his own sword and just he should be removing himself from the situation. But yes. Um, Remember when uh, Keigawa was on the Yankees and he played poorly and my dad expected him to return the money that the Yankees <laughs> had given him and move back to Japan in disgrace. And my right. dad thought that my dad was like, pot. he's like, well, that's that's going to happen. He's, he's Japanese. Right. <laughs> He's Japanese. He's going to give the money back. He's going to move home in disgrace. Like he was so positive that that's how it was going to go. I'm not positive that that's what will happen, but I think it's reasonable to expect that Jason Garrett. Right. It should. Yeah, it should happen. Yeah. Return the money to the Giants and go back to Dallas in disgrace. And I don't want to hear ever again about how he's from New Jersey or went to Princeton or whatever his deal. Go back to Dallas. That's where you live. Uh, All right. Brian, if you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. All right, let's get to the Knicks, Brian. The floor is yours, Senator. (laughs) All right, let's get to the Knicks. I'm excited about this. Um, I'd like to preface this by just saying I like Tom Thibodeau a lot. I think he's an excellent basketball coach. I think he's doing a good job coaching our beloved Knicks. I think this season has been a very pleasant surprise. I think they have been better than any of us expected them to be. I think this season has been the most fun I've had as a Knicks fan, maybe in 20 years. I think that I like this team more than any Knicks team I've liked since maybe like 1995. That's how much <laughs> I like this Knicks team. Um, it's been great. 
I just feel like our very intense uh, coach, there are some things, uh, a rigidity to him <laughs> that is evident in the, his face and his voice. <laughs> His walk and everything that he, every way that he lives his life, everything <laughs> he exudes, then I so I shouldn't be surprised by it, but I'm still, it's starting to just frustrate me how regimented they are, the way he plays certain guys, and that combined with some now recent moves of our front office, I just, the, the worrying signs of where this is all headed, um, I have concerns and I'm getting frustrated with Mr. Thibodeau and he likes to yell at people when they're not doing the right thing. <laughs> so I'm getting close to where I want to get him in a room and be like, that's a dumb. <laughs> and if Emmanuel quickly, our golden goose, glorious young boy that we all <laughs> love and cherish so much, doesn't start playing a little bit more. I'm going to get very upset, Scott. And I'm not even I'm not even a he should start guy or I don't even care. I don't care if he starts. I, and I don't also don't hate Alfred Payton. I don't think he's a terrible player. What I bother by is Tom Thibodeau uses every single player the exact same way in every single game, <laughs> almost no matter what happens, no matter what's happening, no matter who's playing well or who's not playing well, no matter the opponent, no matter the score, like it is unbelievable. And we are a young team. We have a lot of fun things that could be happening that just never happen. Like, never happen. So I don't care that Emmanuel quickly doesn't start, but I do care that he never plays with the starters. Like, ever. He never plays with the starters. He has in a few fourth quarters, he has. Uh, barely. He's played. So I think, who are our four best players? Four best players. Okay, go ahead. Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson. Yes, I agree with They that. have played a total of 50 minutes together this season in 25 games. So, like, one game. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> one full game. Like, you're not, you don't want to see that? You're not interested to just see how that looks? And, and by the way, in those 50 minutes, they have, like, a net rating of, like, 13. One of the best lineup comp. You know, it's a really small sample, but... It's been a good lineup combination. It's not like that hasn't worked when it's happened. He's played, he's only played 116 minutes with RJ and Randall, which is not a lot at all. That's like four minutes per game. Like there's no time. This team is so perfectly constructed. These minutes are so carefully assigned that there's no way to like get those three, like those, like why wouldn't you want your four best players on the floor more? All right, so let's get to that question in a second. A couple things I want to point out here. So one recent, I, I don't know, I told you about this. Maybe it was about a year ago. I saw somebody on Twitter, I think primarily talking about Nick Saban. But they were basically saying how f mostly football coaches, could be coaches generally, mostly football coaches are the kind of people that go to the exact same Italian restaurant every single weekend and get the chicken parm every single time. And I remember reading right. that and laughing and thinking about like, oh, so I there are others like me, like that's kind of how I am. And that's like I'm a type, and that's 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 good to know. And I told you about this because I thought it was funny. <laughs> and you said like I can't think of a worse way to live 
and right, that's, that's a prison of your own making. <laughs> I remember you told me you used to have the same sandwich for lunch every day for like years. Yeah. And I was like, I, I would sooner jump out my window than do that. I would rather, that is a recipe for a suicide. But there are people like us out there who take extreme right. comfort in that lifestyle. And it would not surprised me even a little bit if that was how Tom Thibodeau conducted his life. Tom Thibodeau has the same lunch every day. There's no doubt in my mind about it. I don't know what that lunch is, but it is the same. Right. So very true. That's thing number one. And I think that like nature is very difficult to like, it doesn't matter how much sense anything makes. It doesn't matter what stats you hold dear. If it's your nature, it, especially in high pressure situations that's like what you're just you can't fight it off so hard it's so hard to do right and i think the other thing is so you know and i don't think you're wrong about a number of the points you brought up and we'll get to that in just one second but here's my thing and why often in our our discussions and our group chats i am such a like vocal defender of Thibodeau or what I don't get. So I, as you and our audience to this point knows, I'm a, I'm a teacher in the New York city department of education and like the lowest grade we can give on a report card is a 55. Like that's the failing grade. It doesn't matter what you, if you failed, you're getting a 55 on your report card. There are kids who may have an average in the twenties, but that doesn't matter when the when the marking period's over and stuff for report cards you get a 55. So like I consider for example Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator a 55. Right? Like or even he might be below, but even if we're saying he's a 55, maybe if I was the Giants offensive coordinator, my grade would be a 2 or a 0, whatever. Doesn't matter because we're both below the 55 threshold, so we both suck. So who cares? Right? right. With Thibodeau, like, let's say he's, like, a 90, like an A-minus NBA coach. Like, let's give him, like, a 90, right? What I don't understand about, like, well, two two points I want to make is that I'm just enjoying, I agree with you, I'm enjoying this Knicks team so much, not only so much more than I have in 20 years, but also so much more than I expected to, that, I just – I don't even want to be critical yet because I'm just like, look, we're still – we're winning games. We're in the playoff hunt. Like, we're we're playing hard. We're playing better. Like, I'm so appreciative of some of that that I don't want to jump to conclusions too early about some of the things that might frustrate me. But the other thing is is that if we – if we're, like, kind of in agreement that he is a good coach and he has done things where, like – actions he has taken have significantly improved the team why is it i guess that you're less willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that there's something he sees or feels or knows that's preventing him from doing what all the fans seem to want him to do like is it do you think it is just like pure stubbornness like i am i don't care what the specials are i don't care how delicious that meal sounds chicken parm write it down (laughs) like that's what you think he's doing or do you think that there's it's possible that he's like like you know because he's only he's gonna be cagey with the media they all are it's not just him 
Yeah. But like he is he just not revealing like why or you just think there isn't a reason? The reason why is because give me the chicken parm. I, I mean, I, th- I do think it's, it's stubbornness is a lot of it. Like it's just rigidity. Um, and and then and then I do think fan backlash and media asking him the questions are actually going to have the reverse effect where it's going to make him only double down and then and do it more. <laughs> Um, I do think that he probably, it is philosophical. I think, you know, defensive lapses. I just think he, he doesn't tolerate mistakes from young players the same way he's going to a veteran. Um, I think that's part of it. I think that's been a little bit of his MO. I I sort of didn't put much stock into that when we got him. And now I feel like you're seeing it. Um, so I do, and I do think, I think there's a method to his madness for sure. Like, I think he really wants to establish these, um, two units and like getting them playing well together and ever have everybody understand the roles. And I get that it's just to this degree that I just like is get, and, and the longer it goes, like, again, I don't have any issue with like Emmanuel quickly not being the Knicks starting point guard and playing 35 minutes a night, but it's like, we are definitely long past the point where like he should be playing with the starters a bunch and, and he and Alfred Payton should be like, I would be looking to see who's playing well and, and how is this matching up? Like we have these two guys you know, like he's putting Obi Toppin out there 10 minutes a game every game <laughs> to just like get a sweat going. And then he pulls them and like he's not trying. It doesn't even seem like he's tr- like trying to get this guy going, you know, like wouldn't like you don't want to see, for instance, quickly Obi and RJ have played 19 minutes together total this season. You don't want to see those three guys like like it just makes me concerned that he fundamentally doesn't kind of get where this team is at, where we really are, what we're really trying to do. And like, you know, so, and, and, and that's one concern like of where we're headed. Like I, it just makes me, and then, so, you know, you you throw the Derek Rose thing in there. Now we make this trade for him and it makes me feel like the whole front office is like, Oh God, we're We're about to try to do some, some stupid stuff here to, to try. Cause we're not like patient enough to, to see this thing through. And like, um, you know, I just like, I don't want, I don't like Derek Rose. I don't, I don't like him personally. I don't want to root for him. I don't want to watch him. Like, I don't want him on this team. Why did we go? Why did we do that? Like, who asked for him? Who who ordered that? Like just well, like no, tips. send it back. Like send it back. Like no. Why? Like I so that makes me nervous. Of like you know I just feel I'm suddenly not liking like how they look at what we have and what their plan is for building this out. I'm suddenly distrustful of this group. Well, what do you see as their plan? Like what is it that you think that that they're trying to do? Well, like everybody says that like oh, you know, uh, this isn't going to impact Quickly's minutes. Like, okay, maybe it won't. It's def- certainly going to impact the way he's used and ha- and the touches he gets. Like, if you tell me we're just swapping Derrick Rose for, like, Alfred Payton and and then that's it. But, like, I don't see – I don't think that's going to happen. They're playing Payton a ton. They're going to keep playing him. So now you're going to have Payton starting, playing a lot of point guard minutes, and now you're going to have Derrick Rose – Come and he's the new he's the second unit point guard and he's gonna play a ton of minutes. You don't think Tibbs gonna play him a ton of minutes? He is. Right, but he's probably not taking Quickly's minutes. He's probably taking Austin Rivers' he's minutes. He's not taking his minutes. Do you know what he's saying is for sure? Like like when you say like, oh, he's just replacing Austin Rivers, but he doesn't play anything like Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers is just there to like play some defense and hit some threes. Derrick Rose is gonna dominate the ball when he's in there. 
he's not like coming in and he's just going to gel and pick his spots and kind of blend in with his new team. Like when it, when Derek Rose is in the game, we are Derek Rose's team. Like he's, he, he, when he's in, he uses the ball kept possessions and with him scoring like, and I, and I don't want him in that role. Okay. So let's, let's rewind off of Derek Rose for just a second. You are on record as thinking not only that the Knicks could make the playoffs, that they should make the playoffs. Yes. But also, you want to see a lot more mixed lineups, a lot more creativity, a lot more just sort of like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Don't you feel like those two things are a little bit in conflict? No, (laughs) because... One like one thing I don't want to do, like I do think this team can make the playoffs, and I'd like to make the playoffs, and I think the Knicks should have that as a goal for sure. I don't want to see them miss the playoffs and not play the people I'd like to see playing that I that are exciting and fun and I'd like to learn about. So like I don't want to miss the playoffs because and watch Derrick Rose play 30 minutes a game and you know he scored 18 points, but we lost by 12. And I didn't get to see quickly R.J. Randall and Mitchell Robinson play together ever. Or okay. I never got to see Obi Toppin play in a fun lineup. Like, I don't think those things are that in tension with each other. Like, I'm not saying, you know, don't play a Reggie Bullock ever. But there's 48 minutes in a game. There's time to, to try stuff. Like, there's, we're not so good that we can't afford to try a fun lineup and see. It might help us. Like, it might make, like... That quickly R.J. Randall, Mitchell Robinson lineup with, let's say, a Burks or a Bullock could be our best lineup. Like, there's reason to believe that is the best lineup we can put on the floor. So if you want to make the playoffs, I'd like to have our best lineup or at least see if it is. Like, why can't we see it? But so why do you think that Tibbs is intentionally trying to make us worse? I don't think he is, but I I don't get why he's not more willing to to try a few things to, you know, like until they get out there on the floor together, like you can look at it in practice, you know, like, but you can't totally get be sure until you see it in a game and see them actually play. Right. I mean, I'm sure Mike D'Antoni didn't think he had anything in Jeremy Lin until he threw him out there and the guy scored 28 points. Like, um, and with quickly, we are seeing it. Like, I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I really don't understand like Obi Toppins, what they're trying to do there. Um, I, I just, I don't know. And so like now to have the front office, like trying to sticking Derrick Rose down us, that just feels, that move feels like the canary in the coal mine where in two years when this era of good feelings has passed and we're looking at the latest wreckage of the next idiot group that's been running the Knicks. I just feel like we're going to look back at that move as that was the moment we should have all gotten. We should have all had a chill down our spine. That, oh, no. Something like this is not, you know, like. So that's where I'm frustrated. I understand the frustration. I do understand it. I guess it's just me. It's like, you know, that's who he is, right? And that's like sometimes you have to take the good with the bad. Like, he has – Tibbs has made us immeasurably better. We're watchable. You know, I agree. But, like, has – like, why – I don't know. I'm not saying he has. But he's being credited with a lot of things that, like, I'm not sure are totally fair to just assign him the credit for. Like, one, Julius Randle has improved by leaps and bounds. And I'm sure he has – plays a role in that. Like, but, like, 
is he just he's responsible for that? Like Julius Randle being an all star is like because he's being coached by this guy. Well, no, like, and RJ look- Barrett is a twenty year old second year player who's taken a big leap. That happens all the time. Like I don't doubt that he is a part of that. But again, I'm not like giving him all the credit for that. And those two things are the biggest reason why this team is so much more fun to watch. Like, I'm not, the, I mean, hands down. I'm not crediting him with all that either. And yes, those two make a huge difference in, in why we're so much more watchable. But I think it's also pretty clear that we're just playing better. Like we play with a lot more intensity. We play, we like just look like we know what we're doing. We have a lot more intensity. We have a lot more fight in us. Like, I think a lot of that stems from him. I'm not crediting no, him I agree. with we're every inch of organized, it. Like, right. So, yeah, I totally agree. What I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, he makes us better. He's been a good coach. He has made the team better. He is, you know, an upgrade over what we've had. And, again, you look around at some of the other teams in the league, you know, he, he's definitely one of the top guys you would want for such a project. I, I just think, like, with that is going to come a little bit of stuff that you don't love. And I think that like for him, it's like, okay, this is what I'm comfortable with. And we're in the playoff mix. So I'm going to stick to what I'm comfortable with until it's just not working anymore. Yeah. And maybe that's what it'll do. I mean, again, I'm not like fire Tibbs or totally complaining. It's just like, just play the guy, play, put him out there. (laughs) Like, like why? Like, just do it. Well, it's not playing him though. Right. Cause he, he plays more minutes than Peyton. It's just about who he's out there with. He does not play more minutes than Alfred Peyton. He has, he has any stretch. He has the last couple Um, weeks. Very rarely, dude. He's played, he's played 30 plus minutes one time this whole year. He averages 19 minutes a game. I think it was a lot, the last, maybe not, maybe not against Miami, but I think the two games prior to that, he had more minutes than Peyton. I think there's been a couple, there's been a handful of games where he's played more minutes than Peyton, but he does not play more minutes than, than Peyton does. And again, he does not play with the starters hardly at all. Right. So you're more upset about the people he's playing with. Yeah. I'm more upset about the role. Like I just find it strange how little, tinkering that we do with the, with the lineups i mean it's just bizarre it's even like you know we've one we've obi and randall have not floor together ever the whole season and new orleans noel goes down and like i you, we knew it you knew that taj was getting those minutes there was like no doubt about it and i get that i get it. he's like a solid veteran but again there's 48 minutes in a game man like there's five minutes to throw out there and see what happens with that like so you're not, you know, and also the Knicks men have had good coaches. Like we think, tend to think they haven't. Like we've had Mike D'Antoni, Larry Brown, Lenny Wilkins. Like we've had good coaches, <laughs> and things always have a way of going in a sour direction. So well, but I, don't I also know. And again, think I, with the front office, I ahead. don't. The problem with bringing in Derrick Rose, though, like. You may not like Derrick Rose. You may not like the role he's going to play. This is not like a classic Knicks front office mistake. This would be like us giving up like, you know, quickly for Derrick Rose or something like ludicrous like that where you're like, we did what? Or like, you know, if Derrick Rose in his current state was on like a $100 million contract or something. Like that's the kind of error that we would have made in the past. Not just acquiring him on a cheap expiring deal for Dennis Smith Jr. 
No, I agree on the merits, the deal. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying and I'm, I agree with you. I'm just saying to me, it's like the thing that gets my antenna up of like, oh, God, like and and the, this unwillingness to, you know, rely on these young guys. It just makes me feel like some of these young guys, we're going to be trading them away. And for other veteran players that I don't necessarily think are long term answers. And it just the 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 feel I just getting my tingling of like you know what is it uh like so when you feel like uh there's a movie stupid movie my kids like oh over over the hedge where gary shandling voices the, a turtle who can like feel danger that's what i feel like i feel it's like sending my <laughs> i feel like something bad is gonna happen soon it's the first move from like Derek rose like, like i don't want to watch him and like especially not at the expense of like one of the more exciting players to arrive on our team in a long time. And like, I just think we have some lineup combinations that could be super fun um, that we haven't explored at all. And it's just frustrating. You don't think Derek Rose could unlock quickly a little bit as a, as a shooter, like somebody else on the floor that can get into the paint and kick it out to him maybe. Sure. But like, I think he'll, I think he'll, um, he can, I think he'll play okay off the ball, but like I don't really want him off the ball. I'd like to have the ball in his hands. Like I think for the most part he's gonna take, he's gonna take the ball away from him, and we're gonna get a ton of Derrick Rose. And I don't want to watch Derrick Rose. I don't like him. Um, I don't like him in a boat or with a goat or in a coat. <laughs> I but I mean, like Tips him. had him coming off the bench in Minnesota. Yes, playing thirty minutes a game. <laughs> On the team that got him fired, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's, you know, it probably wasn't all Derrick Rose there. It wasn't all him, but it didn't help him. I, I just think, you know, we got to have some faith in these guys. Like, I just think, too, like, you're right. We've had good Why? When have had When has having faith in the New York Knicks ever rewarded you? <laughs> Having some faith that they they know what they're doing and they're going to do the right thing. But nobody has earned any like you like you just said. We you're right. We have had good coaches in the last twenty years, and yet I don't feel like we've been playing this well over that stretch. We've had starts that are we've had things. You know, we made the playoffs three times with Carmelo Anthony. Like right, we're with, eleven and fourteen with Carmelo we Anthony tonight. We're eleven and fifteen. Like. 11 and 15 is so great that like you just have to keep rolling out the same lineup every game well, because but, we can't this delicate balance it will be uh or maybe it's destroyed. this it's this lineup combination that's hanging us on by a thread to it like maybe but like come on why can't we try it? So, Why? So let me ask you this. If Tibbs mixes up the lineup and he gives you what you're looking for and it results in us tanking a bit and then missing out on the playoffs, you would forgive him the playoff miss if those lineups weren't working out and he was playing them? I would be. I would much more forgive that than if we missed the playoffs playing the way we're playing now. But we haven't missed the playoffs like, yet. We're not in it either. We're not. We're not. You know, we have the same record as the Dallas Mavericks, who we keep comparing ourselves to as poor them and yay <laughs> us. But we got the same record. Well, I mean, and they stink. They don't. They're, they're not that bad. I mean, do they stink? They have the same record as us. Right. No, they, but we good, stink. they're good. 
we're not that good though. That's the thing I think is the thing. We're not that good. Everybody's like, we have all these good players. We don't really have good players. Do you do you are you as down on Obi as Matt is? I don't know because they don't try. They don't do anything with him. What does he do? He comes in. The poor guy's just like, hey, <laughs> and then they just like get him out of there. It's like it, I, you know, it's literally like Obi, go in there, get a get a good sweat going, and then uh, you know, hey, great job today. And then he's like, I love this all from him today. What did you what? Like, has Obi? Do they like I? You really don't want to see like Obi Toppin and R.J. Barrett play like a few minutes together, and, and maybe like. Run a couple screen rolls where Obi's the roll man, and RJ tries to get to the basket, and maybe maybe got something there. Maybe that's a comment. I, I just no, I, are I we do. Such a finished product that like no, we can't we can't do that. No, I look, and I want to be clear too. You had your little disclaimer at the top of the segment. I want to put in my disclaimer: is I am not against a single idea that you've thrown out there today. I would not be upset in the least. <laughs> If we saw any of the things that you're recommending, what my point is, is that I am just like, from what I've seen so far this year, I am willing to show patience. I have a, a tingling in my nethers that I have not had for the Knicks in so long that I am yeah. open to like trusting Tibbs and, and thinking that. For whatever it is, he knows what's best for the team. Or, you know, look, I guess, too, one of the things that I understand as a coach or having, you know, coached, even though obviously, and I say this every time, but at a far lower level, is that to some degree your comfort does matter because you have to be in charge of things and that you have to structure things in a way where you're going to be comfortable making decisions within that structure. And that sometimes – there might be cer certain things you're sacrificing in one area. And, you know, look, you also better make up for it in others. But I think I've seen enough that's good to be patient beyond the first, you know, 25% of the most exciting season I've watched in 20 years. Yeah, no, and I, I totally agree with you. Like, I guess what's getting why I'm more animated about it is just like, I feel like I am very reasonable as a person. And so like, I am like, what's bothering me is like, he won't give an inch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I am literally like, you can start Alfred Payton. I don't even think that's terrible. You know what I mean? Like, I and I like, I have, I would like to see Frank, you know, I'm, I'm whatever. I don't want to get into that whole ball of wax. I would like to see him, but I, that, I'm not going to like raise hell about it. You know what I mean? Like, I would like to see Knox occasionally, but I'm again, not, I'm not going to like, make us real stink about that obi i start to get a little like could we come on we have this guy we've put the look at a pick he's got this athleticism could we try something else but okay he's bringing him along like i'm even there but it's just like with quickly like god come on you know like <laughs> give me like bring him in one game you know at the eight minute mark and let him play with the starters for five minutes uh, you know what i mean like <laughs> just let me let him play with RJ and Randall for a few minutes, maybe in the third quarter. Like that is where I'm just like, can you just give me a give me a kernel that shows that you like get where people are coming from of even asking you the you know what I mean? Like that is the only reason that it's starting to just be this like, come on. <laughs> I know I know exactly where you're coming from. And I am I think 
everything you've said is valid. And I can vouch for you as someone who's known you for over 25 years that you are a very reasonable person. <laughs> One thing I'll say, and I think ultimately when, when you, where you and I disagree on Tibbs, what it fundamentally comes down to is you don't understand the human being that he is, and I do. And I right. think that when I, like, see you – and I tell you that, and I just like tell you the fact that I have the same lunch every weekday for years in a stretch. You can laugh and be like, that's weird. That's what a weird thing to do. But if you, like, let's say you and I had been coworkers and you ate lunch with me every day for that stretch, you would probably get upset with me. You would be like, you have to bring right. something else for lunch tomorrow. I can't watch you eat that lunch anymore. Like, you would totally do that. That's how you would react to it. After, like, two right. weeks, you would be like, if you don't make something else for lunch tomorrow, we're going to fight at lunch. Like, I can't watch this anymore. And, like, right. that's how you would probably react to me eating a lunch in front of you. So you right. watching this rigidity in the Knicks lineup, i that's what you're reacting to, I think. is not right. even the people involved or the quality of play or the players – it's you're reacting to the rigid nature of the human being that's in charge. That's what I think. Right. Just the risk aversion, too, of, like, he's just afraid of life. you got to have – you know, <laughs> like, I do get – my sense of Tibbs, <laughs> the way he approaches substitutions, is, like, the starters play to, to try and win the game, and the bench comes in and then don't screw this up. <laughs> bench. <laughs> and, you know, they'll get, you know, they get, like, six, seven minutes. Those guys got to rest. Don't do anything ridiculously dumb. And then it's like, all right, get him out of there. Get the starters back in. Like, that is how he, you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I like see, so I just see these beautiful possibilities that are, yeah. It's like watching somebody eat that same turkey sandwich every day. I'm like, you know, have you ever tried a Cuban? Like, <laughs> it's, you know, and he's like, there could be something in it. There's pickles. I don't, you know, it's like, it, no, but it, this flavors burst in your mouth. Listen, there's beautiful, beautiful possibilities, Scott, beautiful possibilities. Nicole and I were just talking about how like early on I, we were already living together, I think. But we went out to dinner for her friend Allie's birthday and uh, Allie's then boyfriend, now husband, a man named Michael K. Wong. We were at a like a kind of a fancy restaurant for her birthday. And my wife, knowing me, said to me, just we're at a nice place. Don't order a cheeseburger tonight. Just don't do it. This is a nice restaurant. So just please. <laughs> I, I said, fine. And then, so I ordered something else. I didn't like it. Right. Michael right. K. Wong ordered a cheeseburger. And it looked incredible. And he only, right. and he only ate half of it. And I had this horrendous meal, and I'm sitting there looking at Michael K. Wong's cheeseburger that he's not even eating because he weighs 80 pounds. And, and I was just sitting there with nothing but regret and frustration. Right. And I know that's what Tim's is thinking on, yeah, on the yeah. sideline. What if Michael right. K. Wong orders a cheeseburger? What right. am I going to do then? That's what I Tim's know what said. Reggie Bullock tastes like. I don't want to find out what Kevin Knox. <laughs> there could be squid in there, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, and I know. And look, I've been to a restaurant, and I've, I, I, I sometimes make mistakes, and I'd be like, "Why yeah. on earth did I order this? <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking?" Um, Those are you know, some I've of my favorite times to go to a restaurant with you. Yeah. No, you're right. No. It, yeah, that's very good. That's a good way of assessing what what's at it. What's it really at play here? <laughs> uh, 
But man, I don't know. And you're right. I mean, look, I, I, I know I don't want people to get the wrong idea that I'm like feeling so negative about the Knicks. Although the Derrick Rose thing I do I, is a real bummer for me. I really am not happy about it. I just don't want to watch him play. We had this thing. It's been so fun. It just feels like every time with the Knicks, you think something fun is happening. There's always, you know, it's like when we got Porzingis and you were like, hey, wow. And then Derrick Rose showed up the first time. <laughs> and they signed Joakim Noah, you know, or like Gallinari and all those guys. And we were, and Stoudemire was this fun thing and they made the Mellow Trade. And I, you know, I actually have sympathetic to the Mellow Trade in many ways, but it just feels like, you know, Jeremy Lin came along. Oh my God, insanity. And then like, we don't resign him and right. everything stinks again. It's just like, it's always you just never momentum. It's never like one nice thing builds on another nice thing, and then the next thing you know, you have a nice life and a good home. And a, <laughs> you always end up back out in the cold, you know, naked and afraid. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not in love with the trade. I just see it as kind of harmless. Like, I know what you mean. You're right. Tibbs is going to play him more than than we want him to play. I just think that there's just so much less risk. Like some of the other things that you, you you just mentioned there, you're right. But you know, like it's different than letting a guy that we like go because once they're gone, they're gone. And it's, it's different than like, because we're not like tied to Derek Rose for a long time. We didn't really have to give up anybody that we wanted for him. So it just feels a little more harmless to me than those things. But you know, look, I, I said it in a text the other day. The last time you were skeptical and Matt and I were aligned in our thinking, I was sold on the idea that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were coming to the Knicks. And I am still resentful of Matt for getting me on, on, right. that, on that train. I still resent him to this day for that. And here we are again, and, and Matt's selling me on the idea that, no, this is a good trade. This is, you know, but and you're like, what are we doing? The canary in the coal mine. And I could, once again, be an idiot. But, uh, you know, anyway, that's all the time we have on our radio show today. So, uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Follow us on social, Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter. Bonus time, Brian. Well, we could even they gave me just end on this, but I like the one other like the Derrick Rose is just like he's such a creepy guy, you know, and just like he was, you know, a few years ago, like did seem like maybe he was part of a gang rape, you know, and like I do think it seems like he was, and right, I, I forgot about that. I don't. That. It's, it's not thrilling to have, you know. It's just like combined with what the negativity I think that he's going to bring on the court, how much he's going to play this thing that's been so fun and that I still think could be like, I, I just think there's so much potential for this to like get better. Like, if, and if these young guys, like, you know, Randall to me just changes everything. Cause he's just night in night out. The guy is a star, you yeah. know, <laughs> like he's giving, he's not dropping off ever. And if we could develop a couple of these pieces around these guys, like RJ keeps getting better and better just feels like we have something to start of something so fun and just so nervous that they're going to tinker in this way that um, is not going to, you know, kind of destroys it. Um, and maybe I'm, I'm reacting because it's been 20 years of pain. Um, but yeah, look, maybe you're I not. I just have a tension in my body. 
<laughs> no, and look, history would suggest you're right, you know? Uh, I guess my only advice to you are these good times, they don't seem to come often for the Knicks, so while it's here, let's not worry about, about the future. Just live for the moment. I know, I know. You know, I just, again, the Derrick Rose one is just, because I could deal with these whole, with everything else I've been saying, like, being like, oh, I wish quickly we were playing more, but hey, we're, you know, we're, I could kind of deal with it. This one just is like, it's just a bummer for me. I don't want to, I just don't want to root for this guy. I don't like the way, I don't like watching him play. So it's like 30 minutes a night of this thing that was so joyful of this surprise team that we've been kind of watching. To have this guy here is just a bummer. Um, but, you know, I do think you guys aren't wrong that in the short term, I think he'll make us probably marginally better, like a little bit. Like, I do think, I do think that's true. Um because he will score and he'll improve the team slightly. I just think the risk of some of the fun and other things and not enough that I want to deal, put up with it. Um, and, and I do think there's more downside risk than you, than you guys do. I, I do think there's a potential for him to really um, do, do think, you know, have be in real negative. Um, but I, I do concede there's a pot, there is an upside as well on the court. Um, at least in the short term. All right. I, you know, look, I think all that's fair. And again, I think maybe we'll close on the idea of how fun it is that, you know, now two weeks in a row, we've done like a total of an hour and 40 minutes on the Knicks. It's which is something had we done this podcast last year would have never happened. You're right. Like what would we have even talked about? I know you're right. It is so much better. And I do agree that Thibodeau has a lot to do with it and he's, a professional, and I, I I appreciate him very much um, in that respect. Um, get the, give that man a chicken parm and, and let him let him sit there. <laughs> <laughs> right, whatever. Just one day, mix it up, man. Have a have a veal parm. It's tender. <laughs> uh, all right, Brian. Let's close. Give me your prediction for the week. Um. I don't know. Donald Trump gets acquitted and um, I don't know. Something devastating happens. Like <laughs> <laughs> anything is on the table, I guess. Right. All right. Let's see. Something I... truly disastrous happens to either one of us or a favorite team of ours or something we care about. Something terrible. <laughs> I don't want to get into this, but I'm going to guess that the the Oladipo rumors ramp up this week. Okay. And I don't like I I don't like that. I don't I'm very that's something worries me. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I agree. I mean, I just that's where like that's what I sort of mean. It just feels like then, like, eh, I don't know that we need to be doing that. Um, yeah, I could see that too. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what that. Maybe I shouldn't prejudge these guys. We'll see what they do. I don't. I don't have any feel for this group, this crew. You know, it's like they have no track record. Yeah, but that's almost I never the thing. even hear from Leon Rose. It's like you don't know who he is or what he's about or what he thinks or like. Um, that's kind of what I like about him, though. Honestly, like I just yeah. feel like. You know, he, he like if anything, he runs a tight ship. I don't, that's I don't, true. you know, I don't know if he's gonna run it right, but he runs the ship tightly. Yeah, that's true. So, all right, Brian, 
another great one in the books. All right, well, this was fun. And uh, thank you for letting me, uh, I feel better already just unloading all that. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad I could help. I feel like we got to the bottom of some things. We did. I yeah. think you're right. <laughs> all right, until all right. next week. Okay.